Access more. This is Equip and Empower, the Christine Kane podcast. For everyone who desires to bring hope, create change, and live out their God-given destiny with passion and joy. Here's your host, Christine Kane. Welcome to the final week in our Hello Summer series here on the Equip and Empower podcast. I'm Chris, and I am so grateful that you chose to use this summer to grow, to trade up for God's best. It's my prayer that this time together has encouraged you and helped you to uncover some fresh passion for the weeks that are ahead. We are wrapping up this series by saying goodbye to fear and hello to faith. With so much going on in our world today that can cause us to fear, it's more important than ever to keep a firm grasp on our faith so that we can hold on to hope for the days ahead. I want to remind you that no matter what it is, with God on your side, you can get through what you're going through. I'm believing God will refresh and strengthen your faith in today's episode. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right in. Hey, everyone. I am so glad that you have joined us today. I know that God has a word for you. I am loving this series. We're going to wrap up this week on the most famous psalm of the 150 psalms in the Bible. I mean, this is written on Hallmark cards. This is written um, anywhere you go. Why? Because it has ministered to so many people. And I love afresh that it's ministering into our hearts. It's ministering into our spirits. And I know today that as we wrap up this series, that God's going to minister to you for some of you today. This is literally going to be a life transforming word. I just want to start by reading this psalm. There is so much power in it from top to bottom. The scripture says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to remind you today, not he was, not he will be. Right now, whatever you're going through, the Lord is, he is your shepherd. I shall not want. I love it that in a world full of chaos and a world full of divisiveness, I don't have to want that God can be anything I need Him to be in this moment. He can be my peace in chaos. He can be my joy when there is a lot of sorrow going on. He can be my goodness when there's a whole lot of badness in the world around me. He can be my kindness when people are being unkind to me. You, you shall not want whatever it is that you your need. Your God can supply all your need according to not how limited we are, but according to His riches in glory. God can give you what no other person can give you. God can be to you what no other person can be to you. God can do for you what nobody else can do for you because our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you could ever ask, hope or think. He is so much more than anything else. It says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I love that. We were saying that He makes us because sometimes you need a push to lie down. Um, Not if you're over 50 anymore. You're like, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go (laughs) willingly. I love nap time. I want nap time. He leads me beside still waters when there's a whole lot of chaos going on. I want you to know that your God will lead you beside still waters so that you can have some clarity, you can have some peace in the midst of that. He restores my soul. We talked a lot about that last week, that He restores it. There's a process of restoration that happens, but God can restore your soul no matter how wounded, how damaged, how scarred, how fragmented you've been because of the pain of your past. I want you to know that if you would entrust it to Him, your God will and can restore your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. What a great thing. He leads us in those paths and they're paths of righteousness. You don't have to freak out about the will of God. You've got so many people going, oh no, where's the will of God? As if somehow you're going to step out. Look, he is big enough. If you step out of it, he'll get you back in. It's okay. He is God. So many people, they are paralyzed and crippled because they're so scared of missing the will of God. I'm going, honey, it is easier for God to steer a moving ship than to get something up and happening. So just start moving. Don't freak out. What if I miss him? He's a big God. You won't miss him. If your heart is for him, you will find him. You are not going to miss your God. Continue to go there towards there. And so it says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though, even though, not even if. (laughs) Oh, I wish it was even if. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. You, Jesus, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I was hoping, I read that lots of times. I was hoping you would say, uh, you will take me out of the presence of my enemies into a Michelin star restaurant and prepare a table for me. But like, no, no, sweetheart, right there in the presence of your enemies. That's it. So eat your fries, cheesy fries. Thank you. Put some chili on it too. Yes, awesome. Okay. And so in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, not maybe, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. I love this. You know, he shifts where we're going today from the first person dialogue to the third person. Oh, sorry, he goes from the third person. You are, you are, you are. The Lord is my shepherd. You make me lie down. It's like talking third person who God is. Now he shifts to first person dialogue. He says, even though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death. Now we've just suddenly shifted. Now you've got to understand David would literally, as he was being chased by the Philistines, he would have been going through a valley, a dark ravine, and it could have been a life and death situation for him. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death at night, he could have been taken out by the Philistines. This wasn't just like a really nice, I'm having a bad day. Oh God, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No, he's like literally walking through a valley of the shadow of death and he could have died. He didn't know what would be waiting for him. Have you noticed how low valleys are? Valleys are are really low. And you have to know that in our Christian life, we all walk through valleys. Some of us think that somehow we're super spiritual if we just soar with the eagles all the time. And I need to tell you, there is no soaring without some valleying as well. In 30 years of following Jesus, I've had plenty of valleys. I wish I could tell you it's all been high mountaintop experiences, but it really hasn't. There's been plenty of valleys where I have felt chased by enemies and it has been so dark and I've had dark nights of the soul where I did not know if I was going to make it. You know, the last few years of my life have been so interesting, just a lot of loss and a lot of grief. And I know part of that is just with getting older. As you get older, people die more just because like you're old and like you die when you're old. And so, you know, I mean, just live long enough. It'll happen to you. It happens to everyone. And so um, both getting old and dying, 
in 2016, I, I lost my, my mother and um, my sister-in-law, who was my age, um, within an eight-week period. Just And when you're living in another continent and your family dies in another continent, you're leading a, a large ministry and you just kind of, you know, where, where do you get time to massively grieve and uh, massively be able to process? And of course, for me, my mother dying, it triggered so many mother issues for me. I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I, I don't know who my biological mother is or I, I know what her name is, but I've never met her and I, I don't know her story. And so it was like there was a huge triggering. God uses different seasons in your life and different triggers happen that un lock a different area maybe of brokenness or a scarring that he wants to heal. And if you continue to walk with Jesus, there's ongoing healing. It's not like it's a one-off thing. And so it, it just started another process. And then of course, losing my brother's wife who was my age. I mean, that comes really close to home when you start to be this age and you're like, wow, this is like really quite amazing. And then on Nick's side of the family and you just go, it's just one thing after the other. Then I had a time where one, someone who was very dear to me, a friend that I was very, very close to, just for a whole lot of stuff going in her own life, made a decision to want to step back. And so it was like another level of severing and loss. And I think it hit me harder um, because I'd already lost. There's I'd lost my mother, I'd lost my sister-in-law, I'd lost certain things. And then there was this other sense of grief and loss. And you've got to know, when you're kind of left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted and you have abandonment and rejection in your past, um, there are things that can affect you like don't affect other people. Like my husband, anybody could leave him and he's like, whatever, the most secure guy on earth. He's like, I didn't even know they were with me to go. But anyway, he's like, Nick is the most secure man I know. Like no joke. He's just, which obviously, thank God, that's why he's been able to stay with a loony like me for 23 years, you know. Um, he's the most secure man I know. But for me, it might take a lot for you to get in. I'm a little bit of a slow burner. But once you're in, I'm Greek mafia, like you're in. I mean, there is like loyalty. This is Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. You know, it's like we are there. I will take a bullet for you. I will do anything for you. So once you have me, I'm there. So then for you to choose that, you know, you're going to step out of there for me, it dramatically impacts me in a way that it doesn't my husband, in a way that it doesn't a whole lot of other people, right, wrong or indifferent. We've all got our own version of crate. That's mine. That's my thing that is like that kind of abandonment, that kind of rejection. And then, you know, uh, through last year, I went through another period of uh, where just uh, there's just seemed to be some unjustified attack and you just go, whoa. This is, and I remember I hit this spot. It was like three years consistently where it's just like anywhere I would just turn. Where did that come from? And where did that come? You ever had one of those in your life where you're like, really, I don't think I could take another spear in my back. Like where on earth is this coming from? And I, I was with my husband one night and he loves, you know, he loves to watch like these Navy SEAL Hell Week shows. I don't know if you've ever seen them. It's like, I don't know, sweaty men sitting in water for 12 hours holding big rocks and, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so um, he's watching it, but I was watching one with him. And I realised after watching this that the whole premise of this program is that the men go into the, the SEALs, they go into this Hell Week to become a SEAL. But the goal is so physically they're able to do it. I mean, you have to be at a high standard of physical excellence to even get into Hell Week. At Hell Week, to get to Hell Week, you are the elite of the elite anyway to get there. Okay, so you get in. And so physically speaking, 
you can more than likely be able to endure what they're going to put you through or you wouldn't even have made it into the shortlist to get into Hell Week. But the goal of the officers in Hell Week is basically to break you and to break you mentally more than physically. They put physical pressure on you, but their whole goal is to break you. What they want you to do is to go and to ring the bell. There is this thing in the middle and the whole goal is to get you to just give up and go, I'm done, I'm going to ring the bell. Because if they can break you in Hell Week, that's the goal because they don't want you to, if you're in the middle of a, a Navy SEAL mission overseas in the midst of a, they don't want you breaking them. They, they go, so they're going to break you. And I mean, honestly, I mean, you've got to watch one of those shows to hear what they say. I mean, they are just in your, I mean, you already have, you know, have been holding this huge log for like 15 hours and you're ready, and they're just yelling at you, making you want to go and ring that bell, calling you every name under the sun, telling you how incompetent you are. I mean, I'm sure there's some psychological name for all of this, but it's basically geared to break you down. And I was watching the guys do this and then, they got to this part where they were sitting in the water and basically you had to sit there, freezing cold water, middle of winter, and you had to sit in it for six hours and it's like you're nearly going to drown. And I was watching them do this and I said to Nick, you know, this is how I think I feel. He said, what do you mean? I said, like, I... I feel like I could be one of those guys I'm sitting, I've got grandiose, I've got delusions of grandeur, okay? So yes, I'm, I'm in hell week with the Navy SEALs. And I'm like, I said, I feel like I'm, I'm sitting in the water and everything in me knows that I could. I could actually stay here for an extra two hours. I've got two hours to go before it's the next exercise that they're gonna give me. And everything in me knows that I'm not gonna die, I'm able to endure this, that my body can take this and that I can do this. And I said, but you know what? I don't think I want to. And I said, in 30 years of following Jesus, I've been through a lot of valleys. I've been through a lot of challenges. I've been through a lot of attacks. I've made mistakes and failures and public ones that I've had to get up and apologise and, you know, move on from. And I said, but I've never wanted to ring the bell. I said, but for the first time in my Christian life, I said, I don't know if I want to keep going. I, I think I just want to ring the bell. I think I just want to, okay, no one would even notice I've rung the bell because I could pretty much cruise into eternity now and people would think what I'm doing is awesome. But I mean, in my heart and in my spirit, I stopped pressing in. I stopped pressing on. I stopped really, really believing God for more and, and, you know, looking to be more fruitful in my time on earth. I said, that's where it's really scary for me to get to a place where I think I want to ring the bell. The psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm in my 50s and I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. And I thought I'd walk through some of the darkest valleys that I could ever walk through. But I've never seen darkness like I have in the last couple of years. And I realise that there is an assignment that the enemy has sent to take us out, to make us want to stop, to make us want to give up. And he is relentless. So you have got to have good people around you. Thank God that I have got great people in my inner world. Thank God I've got people that even if I was running to ring the bell, they'd like chop my arms off. So it's not going to happen. They're like, no, not on our watch. It's not, you need those kind of people that are going to say, no, thank God that I had the wisdom to say, you know, I need some help. I need to go and get some counselling because I, thank God I've been walking with the Lord long enough that I knew this is a really dangerous 
safest place for me to be. I need somebody that's got an outside perspective, that is a Christian, that is spirit-filled, but is just a brilliant counsellor to talk me through some of this stuff and to help me come to a place where I know what's going on on the inside of me. And what it was, I'd just been through this relentless three-year period of loss and grief and pain, and it had brought up so many things in my life, and I just needed help to say, you know what, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and Jesus in the midst of this, I can't see you. I can't feel you. I can't sense you. But I know that you're here. So you're going to help me to find you in the midst of all of this. And I had to get to a place where he would help me to see that he'd never left me. He'd never forsaken me. I mean, in fact, he gave me the grace to keep going. He was the one that gave me the grace to get help. He's the one that gave me people that are around me. And you look back and you go, man, you were there every step of the way, that you never left me. You didn't let me ring the bell. You know, I got to a place and maybe you're feeling like this. I I felt like I was a, a quarterback about to snap and my own lineman came to take me out. It was like, I, who could I trust? What could I do? It's like I've got all these people supposedly protected and I'm, I'm like ready to snap and I'm just taking it. When you get to that place, you're like, whoa, I need some help. I need some help. And I need to see my God in the midst of this, that He is with me, that He has not forsaken me. And yea, though I walk through this valley, you've got to understand there's a shadow of death Now, when a shadow is cast, you've got to know that light's there, but sometimes you're in the dark part of the shadow so you can't see the light. The very existence of a shadow denotes that light is there. So I want to tell somebody today that you might be in this dark shadow place and you might sense in your mind the absence of God and you might be wondering, where did you go, God? You've left me. I'm here to testify and I feel like I've just walked through one. So I'm not just telling you as somebody that once went through one, I'm saying, man, I've just come through. And I can tell you that wherever there's a shadow, that denotes that there is light just around the corner. And that shadow will chase you, but that light is greater. And God's light will shine on you, God's light will be with you. God's light will get you through this. He is with you in the midst of it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't ring the bell. The greatest is yet to come in your life. There is so much more ahead of you. Do not stop. Some things, listen, we just won't understand. So much happened to me in that three-year period. And a couple of those things, I'm like, what on earth was that? But you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You're going to have to settle this, that some things you're just not going to understand this side of eternity. Neither am I. Neither am I. Psalm 119.68, the thing is that I know that God cannot lie, God cannot sin, and God cannot do evil. So even though some things in my life, I'm like, God, I don't know how you let that happen. God, I feel so blindsided by that. God, I don't even know how that occurred, I have to come down to, but I do know, even though I don't understand that, I do know that you're good and that you do good. I do know that you can't lie, you can't sin and you can't do evil because that's not who you are. Therefore, I'm just not going to resolve that this side of eternity and I'm going to have to have any peace in my life. I'm going to have to learn to be able to live with the tension of that in my life this side of eternity. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, The scripture says that some things are a secret here on earth and I'm only ever going to know them when I go to heaven. So there are some things that you're losing sleep over. There are some things that you are so fearful of. But this side of heaven, we are not going to be able to have the answers to that. And the only way to move forward 
is to trust God and trust what you do know about Him, even when there are things you don't understand about what's going on around you. I don't want you to be afraid of a shadow. Have you ever heard people where you say, they're afraid of their shadow? They're afraid of their own shadow. The devil was trying to do that to us. He's trying to make us afraid. It's just a shadow. It's just a, that shadow has been chasing us since the day we were born. That shadow of death, it's been coming after us. But in Christ, death has lost its sting. In Christ, we can look at the future and we can smile at that future and we can live with confidence because that shadow has lost its power over us. Light takes care of us. Keep going despite the shadow. The enemy wants this shadow to become your prison. But the truth is just because you're in the dark doesn't mean that your shepherd is in the dark. You cannot see a glimmer of light, but your shepherd can. God is not in the dark about your station or about your situation or about your future. This will not be forever. You will get through this. You will walk into the lightness of what God has for you. You will. He says, I will fear no evil because you are here. It's the job of the shepherd to protect the sheep. The job of the shepherd. And so we don't need to fear evil. So many of us are losing sleep at night because we're freaking out. What if, and if this happens, and if that, there is unprecedented rates of anxiety and unprecedented rates of depression on the earth like never before. People are so fearful about the future, so fearful about evil, so fearful about terrorism and crime and violence. And I know, but the writer, the psalmist says, I will not fear. I will fear no evil because God, I know that you're with me. I know that our world is a little bit out of control. I know that there's terrorism and there's crime and there's violence and there's tsunamis and there's natural disasters and there's so much pain and there's so much suffering and there's school shootings and there's a whole lot going on. And we could all freak out right now in the world in which we live. And not only is it there, but it's worse because it's on our phones 24 seven. And so we have access to it all the time. Barely does a major disaster happen without seconds, we us knowing about it and then you wonder why everyone is so anxious and everyone is so freaked out and everyone is so depressed and everyone's popping pills. It's because there is so much fear of the future. But the psalmist says, I will not fear. I will not fear any evil because God, you are with me. And like a good shepherd, you're protecting me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. Now, a shepherd uses a rod to get rid of the enemies of the sheep, to fend off the wild animals. You got to know that your shepherd's fighting for you. He's coming after those wild animals and those demonic spirits and those evil things that are coming after. God's got your back. That's what this whole, God has got your back. Yes, there are times of pain and there are times of turmoil. And I just told you about a huge one in mind, but you know what? In the midst of it all, God had my back and God continues to have my back. You're right in your staff and a shepherd uses a staff every now and again to pull a sheep out of a dumb situation because we're dumb. And so some of us, we do dumb things. And you're like, Chris, I wish I could tell you that it was because of what everyone else did to me. But Chris, I just went off the path myself. I did dumb stuff myself. I got in that relationship and I knew what I was getting into. I got into those group of friends and I knew and I walked away from God. And, I, and you just think, man, God's given up on you because of the dumb stuff that you've done. I want you to know God knows we're sheep. He knows that we're dumb. And so His staff, He reaches in and He pulls you out that you can never, ever run away from the love of God or the grace of God or the mercy of God, the hound of heaven is chasing you down and he's not letting you wallow in that brokenness. He's lifting you out of it and restoring you and bringing you into his arms. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. They comfort us and he prepares a table for us 
in the presence of our enemies. I wish this said that he'd take away our enemies. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times in the last couple of years, I'm like, it would be great if you remove them. I would prefer that. I could do without the dessert, just get rid of the enemies. That would be awesome. <laughs> but you know, whenever you see the enemies, know that God is setting a table for what he's about to do in your life. We are in a battle. We know that from Ephesians 6. And the enemy comes at us because he hates God and he hates the work that the Lord's doing in and through our life. And you'll know it's the enemy because he's sitting at your table and he's telling you, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You don't deserve this. You're a failure. He'll start reminding you of all of your past and all of your sins. And he says, well, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're doing? Oh, you'll know that the enemy is at your table because he wants to make you feel less than. But you decide who's going to sit at your table. You decide, no, you have no place here, enemy. You cannot sit at this table. God has prepared a meal and a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies and you are not going to come to this table. And here is the deal. You've got to make a decision that you're not going to lose your appetite for God in the midst of pain and trials and suffering. But you're going to sit at that table and you're going to feast on the Lord. You're going to continue. You're going to stay in church. You're going to stay in the Word. You're going to stay in fellowship. You're going to have people praying for you because the enemy's trying to get you away from the table that God's prepared for you in the midst of your enemies because that's where your nutrition's going to come from. It says, He anoints, He anoints my head. And the shepherd anoints the flock. Often you'll see a shepherd. Well, not, not that you look at shepherds very often, but you know, I go to Israel and you see the shepherds. You go, this is real. The Bible's real. Anyway, and so he does that because it keeps the ticks and the bugs out of their eyes and out of the ears of the sheep. And it also, when bigger sheep come to headbutt them, it deflects it because of the oil. So I want you to know that you and I need daily oil. We need daily oil and we need daily anointing from the Spirit of God. You can't do this alone, neither can I. That we need divine enablement from the Spirit of God in order to do what God's called us to do. And then I love it here. He says, surely, goodness and mercy. I'm gonna call my backup team right now because I've got a backup team. I want you to know that you've got some backup. You've got some backup. And the Bible says that surely you've got goodness, meet goodness, and this is mercy. And the Bible says, goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. That means wherever you go, guess who's behind? Goodness and mercy. Whatever you try to do, you can't escape them because they're right there. Goodness and mercy. I've got backup. I don't know about you, but we've got a backup team. Sometimes you walk through your day and you go, I don't think I'm going to make it, but goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not for one day, not for two days, not for three days, but forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for listening today. We hope today's message has encouraged and helped you. By the way, we'd love to see you positioned to experience all the great things God wants to do in your life. And we've got a special gift that'll help you do that. Just go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast devotional and download your free copy of Christine's 14-day devotional, Spiritual Growth Spurts.